Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans. As we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street, the second episode in the series of special edition fan podcasts. I'm your host, Ian Kroll video editor at the Liverpool Echo and a season ticket holder for 20 years. With me today and making his first appearance on the show is long-suffering Evertonian and Lower Gladys Street season ticket holder Rob Astle. Making up the rest of the long-suffering Blues quartet is Tom Clark and Connor O'Neill, two Everton fans who joined me on the very first episode. Guys, welcome. Since the last time we sat down, a few things have happened. Not a lot's happened, just, just, just a few. We've had a fixture list, we've had a World Cup started, VR's taken over everyone's life and one or two players have left Goodison Park. But the one thing that hasn't happened is players coming into Goodison Park. The transfer window shuts on August the 9th at 5pm and as of yet, Everton haven't signed a single player. Connor, I'm going to start with you. Are you worried by the lack of incoming transfers at Goodison? Uh, not yet, no. I don't think... Um, I don't think... I didn't expect anything to really happen quick this this time round. I think last season we 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 kind of went too early and bought too many too soon. You you could say. So I, I'm not too surprised that we have, we've been a little bit inactive. I think Marcel Brand is obviously just getting his, his feet under the table. It looks as though he's going to be in, in control of transfers. Um, Silver's not wrong being appointed himself. So I would imagine that they're still working on areas in which they they the sort of defining as massive improvement needed to you know we can survive for now so and I'm not too too surprised that there's not been too much transfer activity I think if it was you know three or four weeks on from now and we, we hadn't signed anyone and it didn't look there wasn't any promising leads and I'd be a little bit concerned but as of now I'm, I'm not too surprised that we're, we've been pretty inactive Rob as of yet Everton haven't signed anyone in the transfer window is it, is it a concern for you I mean the World Cup's still, still on still plenty of time but do we need players in soon as rather than later? Uh, no, not really. Um, it's always nice to get your players in early doors like some clubs do. I mean, we were really active last year in getting uh, the likes of Pickford and Keenan and whatnot. But given our situation with the new manager and the new director of football, they're still finding their feet. Um, and with the World Cup going on, I don't think it's something to be concerned with just yet. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is trimming the squad down and Marcel Brands has said that himself. Um, and that's priority before we start signing players. Uh, but I think once the squad's back within the next week or so I think it is I think we'll start to see a bit of action then Tom do you think Rob's right there like the biggest concern is to to cut the squad down do we not do we not need to see players coming in yeah I completely agree I think the worst thing we could do is put too much pressure on the manager and the director of football by getting on his back already about transfers and I do think that primary concern was to cut down the wage bill and make it more efficient as a business and I think the imminent transfer of Wayne Rooney will do a big play a big part in that and a couple of other outgoings like Romero, Funes, Mori and maybe some more but I do think that was the main concern and I'm not, I'm not too not too bothered at the moment I know the 
the window has been shortened a little bit, so we do have to make it make it speedy. But um, the World Cup's still going on, and the players that we want are top international players, so a lot of them are out on international duty on a unable to contact them at the moment so I'm not too bothered I think uh, we've got to be patient and I, I trust Marcel Brand he seems like a seems like a guy who know, knows what he's doing Okay Connor w- one thing that struck me um, a few weeks back was when Marcel Brands, you know he made, he made clear that the, the squad didn't need to be uh, cut and obviously we've got a bloated squad of I think it was 38 players um, but another, another thing that he mentioned as well which Obviously, from a business side of things, you can understand what he's saying, but he wanted to reduce costs as well, specifically the, the wage bill. Is that um, is that a call for concern? What what kind of message are we sending out to, to quality players that we're, we're not going to be paying or pay, paying high wages in, in terms of the quality players that we, we want to bring in? Um, yeah, I think you, you can look at that two ways, can't you? I mean, you can look at it in, in a sense of, does that mean that we're tightening our, our belts and we're going to sort of, you know, almost go back to like the David Moyes era of, of trying to find, you know, good niche bargains round round Europe, you know, not household names, but players who, who perhaps you can come in and develop and, and, and improve. But I I think the the big concern is is that we don't want to get stuck into a, a routine we've got over the last sort of two to maybe three seasons where we spend seems to be an awful lot of money on players coming in and we give them big contracts too soon. You know, uh, uh, there's there's a lot of players who are in and 100 grand plus now, which really, if you go back five years, you'd never, you'd never have imagined. So I, I, I see the concern because I don't think it's you should just be giving players what bow down to their needs and what and whatnot. But I think it's, I think it's a it's a good sound bite, isn't it? And, it? and it gets kind of, it gets people sort of intrigued as to see what what's going to happen more than, you know. The proof will be in the pudding once we start signing plays, won't it? It's as simple as that. You know, that's when you'll know whether we're tightening our belts or whether it was just a, a tongue in cheek comment that was aimed at maybe one or two individuals who at the club who, who probably earn more than what they, they warrant. Rob, do you think it was just brands playing a cool in terms of, you know, bringing down the wage bill, or is this like something that Mercedes possibly said to the, the hierarchy of the club in charge of the wage bill and transfers? Personally, I think it's best practice um, financially. Otherwise, you start getting these players in who are on, like like Connor said there, 100 plus grand a week, and we're not reaching the level that we should be performing at when we are when we are spending this money. You know, we didn't get Europe last year, uh, uh, last season. We were way, way, way uh, too far away to even consider Champions League football, and we've got one of the highest wage bills in the league now. And you don't want to end up getting hit with an FFP fan, which I think probably was in the back of like uh, Mashiri. And the rest of the board's mind because I think you've got to be able to cover your costs, and we're not doing that. Mm. I think as well, it, it almost becomes the norm, doesn't it? Then if you get into the routine of handing out every new player you sign a hundred plus grand a week, and anyone who you go near is going to get wind of it. It's, it's a small world, isn't it? Football. I mean, you know, it's 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 a populated place, but it's a small world. And agents obviously talk about the the clients, and you know, if, if certain agents know that, well, X and Y got. 110 and 120 when they signed last year so we're going in for the same amount mm. all of a sudden every player you sign then is is going to be looking to get 110 grand plus a week which financially is just not sustainable for everything you know they, they don't turn over enough money yeah. as a business to, 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 to sustain that and you know i think that that needs nipping in the buds sooner rather than later are we going to be able to attract these type of like quality type of players though by by reducing the wage bill and saying you know 
our wage bills capped to to a certain extent. Well, I think in some respects, you know, it, it when you d- you need to, it's almost defining what 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 a, a high class player is, isn't it? Because for me, you know, you're never going to be able to attract the elite of football until you're in the Champions League because you know that that's the that is the standout competition. You know, that's the the one that they all want to play, and that's the one that you know you can lay players to and from. You know, it's not like international football where if you're born in that country, you're stuck there. It's you know you can, you can lay players and. I think in terms of high quality players, I think we need Champions League football or to be looking to get on the fringes of Champions League football to to really attract them type of players and, and to get them because, you know, we we've seen with Spurs, you know, they were on the fringes and attracted one or two good names and then they pushed them over the line. You know, we're not even I don't think near the lines pushed over, we're, you know, still a good way off. So I think in order to attract high quality players we need to be on the, the fringes of Champions League, and once you get one or two, and you get over the line, and the rest kind of follow. I'll, I'll I'll come to Tom in a moment, but just just going to counter that with the fact that obviously probably a different time in football. But when we did qualify for the Champions League under Moyes, and okay, we didn't get into the Champions League group stage proper. Um, we ended up getting knocked, uh, knocked out in the qualifying stages, but we did struggle to to attract a top quality type of player to the club, and we weren't willing to pay to, to, to pay the wages. So. Um, on two fronts really well, we were in the Champions League and if we'd have been able to attract that type of player um, so in, in terms of in terms of that way is, is, is money just not the I'm not saying throw throw money at it but you know cutting the wage bill it, it's just for me it's, I feel like it sends out the, the wrong message I don't know what you, I don't know what you think uh, I mean yeah it, it is in the sense that if you're cutting the wage bill you know you, you've got to look at it and be brutally honest if you cut the wage bill then when we do become 6th, 7th, 8th you can't really complain if, if that's what you want. And so I think that the issue the issue with the minute is, is that there's a lot of players in what... I mean, I think there's, there was a stat that five of our players at one point earned more than Harry Kane did. It's based until he signed his new contract, which, you know, when you look at that, it's, it's quite staggering really, isn't yeah. it? You know, So I think if you're cutting the wage bills to kind of, you know, tighten the pay string and say, oh, we're going we're gonna to accept seventh, eighth or ninth, then it does set up the wrong message because it's not exactly as though, you know, we're looking to go for it and... and and have a goal. However, I think if if you're doing it as as kind of a point of face to say we've well, got to come in and earn high money, then I, I certainly wouldn't disagree. Mm. Tom, just obviously Manchester City won the league last season, and eventually that's where Everton and the fans w- want us to be. But how do you compete with a team that when a player gets injured, um, they just go out and just buy a forty or try to buy a forty million pound replacement in in Mares? How do you compete with that? It's difficult to, but I think the possible way to go about it was younger players who are going to come through. I think that's why it's important to hang on to the likes of Adam Ola Luchman, the ones who are bright prospects. I think that's the level we've got to be going for because, as, as we've said, we, we're not able to attract Champions League quality players, but we are able to attract players who could be Champions League quality in a few years. And I hopefully, hope we can rely on our scouting network to let us do that and think what players can be that quality in a few years and that's what we've got to be looking at and we've got a few of them on our books at the moment so we've got to be nurturing them keeping all of them and making sure uh, they're on our books and we can look to the future okay then well as mentioned that like no, no one as of yet has, has come in to the club but we've had one or two players leaving um reports this past week that you know Wayne Mooney's on the on the verge of leaving the club um but one player who has left the club is, is Funes Mori uh, Transferred to Villarreal for what has been a reported 17 million, but we believe it's to be a 
although a profit slight, slightly lower uh, than that fee. Tom, what um, or how will Funes Mori be remembered by Evertonians and yourself, uh, Roberto Martinez, by roughly in the region of, of £9 million? I'd be made up with £17 million for Funes Mori. I was never a massive fan of him. I thought he was. He, he tried hard, but he was a, always a bit erratic and never a really solid centre-back. And I thought... Uh, What's the call? Last season when he was he was on his way back, and some some Blues were looking at it thinking, "Oh, can't wait for him to be back." But I think a lot of them were forgetting what he used to be like at times because he could be very unreliable at times. And I think seventeen million would be great. And um, I remember the rumours at the time that um, Roberto Martinez had the choice between buying Funes Mori and um, Virgil Van Dijk from Celtic at the time. He was going for about eight million or something like that, and he went for Funes Mori. So uh, things what we could what we could have had in, the, in a way, but. I think he, he did all right. He, um, he obviously struggled with injury towards the end, but when he was there, he was he was there, he was there, but he wasn't wasn't someone to rely on, to be honest. So uh, I'm not 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 a big loss for me. Did Tom just praise a Liverpool player there on the Everton podcast? Or was that, <laughs> was that just me? Yeah. No? <laughs> wow, wow. I think we're going back in time there. What, what ifs? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Everton seems to be the, the, the biggest club of what if. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we could have gone back in time. I think everyone around this table definitely would have picked Virgil Van Dijk. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Rob. Um, Funes Mori you know bit of an enigma really just didn't seem to work out he you know the start seems strong enough blighted by injury as well over the past season um, how will he be remembered always had a mistake in him I thought hmm. I had high hopes when he first came to the club and um, we paid decent money for him at the time or like you said 9 million um, but despite a few encouraging performances um, I think he, I think he made one of his first games against Liverpool, uh, against um, at Goodison, and he um, he had a really really good game. Later games he was always good in the box, the opposition box. He scored a fair few goals, uh, but again always had that mistake in him. I thought, um, and obviously the injury didn't do him any good. Uh, I think it was well over a year he was out for, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, and then just didn't get back into the team I think it was only right really that he was uh, one of the first out the door yeah Connor this was a player that was probably you know one of the first names on the, the Argentinian defensive uh, defensive list um, there's not much to be said about the Argentinian defence uh, at the moment in this World Cup is he have we done him at the service at the moment Does, do you think he deserved a chance after his uh, after his injury his, lo- his long term injury and, and now he's on his way back uh, I, th- I think the big, the big thing is seems to be the money, doesn't it? When the fees coming for him, yeah. I think you could imagine that they they kind of bit the Real's hand off in terms of, you know, we've, we we spoke quite a lot about players leaving the club, and you know, the, the big question with a lot of them is, well, you're never going to recruit what we've put into them back. You know, a lot of the players we've got, you you're never going to get anywhere near what you either pay for them or what you've been giving them in wages by offloading them to another club. And I think the fact that an offer coming for Funes money that. We'll probably end up with getting a small profit. It was probably just too good to be true. Uh, I think for me, it was it was always what if with, with Marty. You know, with people in the early days kind of thought, oh, well, you know, when he matures and he, he gets used to playing in the Premier League, the, the mistakes won't happen as much and he won't look as rash. And you know, we it'll be probably a what if. You know, what what if he, what if he does mature and you know become that that great defender that people, well, certainly Roberto Martinez. He, he thought that we'd sign but I agree with Rob I, I think he always had a mistake in him I think you know whenever he got the ball and he was in certain areas of Goodison Park he kind of you had your heart in your mouth and you know for, for me kind of it's the final moment was when he got sent off around fields and 
just the, the pure stupid stupidity and you know the you know the idiots so the idiot style you know clutching the badges he walked off and you know that that left a bit of a bitter taste in, in my mouth and I just think I think the fact that they've they've, they've sold them for money and they're going to make a profit is just too good to uh, the club probably just thought it's too good to be true and they bit their hands off for them. I don't think I think it was telling him wasn't that when brands come in he was kind of rumours that or pretty much all the centre backs were, were were under review, not just, you know, one or two, they were pretty much all under review and there was there were suggestions that if Everton could go and sign as many as two or three centre backs this summer, so obviously Silver and, and Brands weren't too keen from the offset anyway, so I'm not surprised to see him going. I don't really think he'll be missed. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. One of the, the, the standout um, images of Mori wasn't for me, wasn't wasn't a goal, it wasn't a, a tackle, it was, you know, the descending off at Anfield when he uh, when he went crunching in and then he walks off, you know, patting his chest or the badge thinking it was a you know, a good thing to do and, you know, it was just obviously idiocy really. But um yeah, anyway, m- moving on. We'll um moving on to another player on the verge of uh, of potentially leaving the club, Wayne Rooney. We discussed him in the last last podcast and um you guys had your thoughts. Um it, it's looking now that he w- he will leave the club but you know, Rob will his return to the club, his boyhood club, be seen as a failure? I think it's unfair to call, call him a failure. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he was our top scorer, wasn't he? Um, I think Rooney's problem was, was that he was well past the well past his prime. You know, United only let him go for you know, let him obviously let him go for nothing. Um, but I just felt in games where the bigger games against, let's say, the top six, he couldn't play in them. He was more suited to playing against your lower league teams and your uh, in in that central role, and he wasn't really given that much. And if you want to move forward, it's probably not the answer. And given he's probably, I think he is our top earner. You know, you're gonna want more from the guy who's on the mega bucks, aren't you? And I think I, I, I think it's probably the right time for him to go. To be honest with you, given the new era that's about to uh, happen under Silver and Brands. Tom, is Rooney being pushed out here? Obviously, there's been you know reports that. He does want to stay at the club, but you know it's got it's got one year left on his deal. Um, is it not is it not worth just keeping him keeping him at the the club? Uh, you know, experience. He he scored double figures last season. Okay, some of them were penalties, but for me, does it not feel like he's being pushed out? Yeah, we've we've got to treat him with respect because he he is one of the greatest players we've had in my opinion. But um, I think if we are going to prioritise cutting down the wage bill, he was the obvious one. As Rob said, he, he was on mega bucks, and we needed to. He's the one we needed to cut down, really, because he wasn't playing enough of a part in the squad just to justify that wage. So I think he was the obvious one to go to massively cut down the wage bill and kick, kick us on in that in that um, area. But I do think um, it's sad to see him go uh, in in a way. But it wasn't mainly a commercial, if not sentimental move. But I think he's given us some moments this season. But um, look forward to seeing him back in blue in the future because I think he will come back as a coach. But wish him luck in the next chapter of his life. But f- for us, I think it's a good move at the moment. Connor, is it not seen it as a as a waste of time to bring Rooney back if you're not going to fulfil the the two year contract that was on offer in the first place? You know, we always knew he was never ever going to be the same type of player that he was for United. You know, I don't think there was too much expectation to be fair from many Everton fans. It was just kind of what will be will be. Like, does he not deserve that chance to to stay? Uh, I I actually seen something yesterday on Twitter. I think Phil Jagielka was working for BN Sports in over in the Far East for the, and he'd been asked quizzed on Rooney and he was a clip and it, 
he kind of said he said that you know I think Ring wants to get back playing his, his natural prepared position and stuff like that so reading maybe reading wrongly into it but reading into it it seems to me as though he maybe had talks with Silver but where his future lies in terms of playing and you know maybe he wasn't told what he wanted to necessarily hear and he thought well you know if I'm not going to play a, a specific role then you know I, I'm, I'm best off best off out of here I see what you mean about the waste of time but times have changed I'm decent last year I mean the, the, the thing now is it's a new manager it's a new director of football it's a total new vision and you know blueprint of what we want to do and where we want to go so I think maybe Rooney's just been a victim of, of the change you know the, the change that's happened very fast and he's he's been the victim I'm not really surprised to see, to see him go in fairness I think his wages kind of you know often left a lot of people questioning you know why he's why he come back saying oh well, you know no surprise seeing him come back he's on X amount a week and what have you so I think the wages were always going to be a, a big thing because you know even though we got a, a slightly past it when Rooney was still our, our highest earner which I think people kind of didn't take too kindly to so I'm not surprised to see him go but I think there were still moments last year where you saw his class and you saw his as you know I mean you know certainly for me one of my moments of last season was was his, his hat-trick goal against West Ham where you know, I don't think I've anyone I've ever seen anyone strike a football so cleanly. You know, it was it was it was just magic. You know, and Goodison nice ones the floodlights and that's what happened at the Gladys Street then was just you know that was what the hope was was it then when was we going to come on a, a more weekly basis not once every blue moon. So no, I'm not surprised to see him go. I think the the two year contracting was always a bit of a token gesture anyway. I think I think that was more to say that you know we are serious and this is something that is the long term from our point of view of last year. I think if we'd have just give him a year contract, then people would have maybe smelt a bit of a rat and thought, well, they're only getting him in here for a year to, to get the, the commercialisation up, sell some shirts, recoup so much needed money and from what they've spent out on on players already. But don't forget, I think he was about the, the sixth player we got in last year. So he's already been a massive outlay anyway. And I think maybe people would have thought, oh, well, he's just coming in to be like the commercial, you know, image of the club. So that was why the two year, I think, coming. But I think he's just been a, he's a victim of the change. The, the silver and the branch changing I think next year if silver sticks to his, his route to what we've seen at Watford I think a lot of our, our play will be based on pace and getting forward and, and counter-attacking quickly and there's no way where Rooney can be can be a part of that team now his, his legs simply couldn't be able to withhold the withhold the, the pressure So then to two players who or one who's left the club and one who's on the, on the verge of leaving the club to three other players really who's, um, whose futures are slightly uncertain in Kevin Morales Umanias and Adamola Luckman. Um, I say Adamola Luckman just because obviously he's been loaned. He's been loaned out um, at the back end of last season, and there's always rumours flying around, and you never know when a player is happy or unhappy. But obviously, Brands has come come to the club and said that um, you know he he is in his plans. But in terms of those three players, Robert, I'll, I'll go to you. Um, Kevin Morales went to Olympiacos. Uh, Last season, he's, he's been back at the club. He's set to hold talks over his future. Does Kevin Morales have any future at the club whatsoever? No, not one. <laughs> not one iota of a future. Um, his attitude has stunk now for the best part of, I think, three years. I think ever since he missed that penalty against um, West Brom when he took the ball off Leighton Baines, I think it's just been comp- a complete... I think he should have left uh, long before, uh, just after that, really. Um Three managers, Martinez, Allardyce, and Cooman, have all obviously not seen anything in him worth uh, 
worth keeping. Um, so I just yeah, no future for him for me. Um, he's, I think, is he expected to stay at Olympiacos? Is you know, is there a fee arranged? I don't know, but I bite the hand off for anything. The last last thing uh, that was reported that he was set to hold talks with the club. Oh, right. um, I don't know whether that's happened, but that was the beginning of June. Um, Tom, you know Morales, he's he's clearly got some talent. Um, never really been fulfilled at Everton. Is would his career go down as a or Everton career at least go down as a, a disappointment? The way for me when describing Morales all the time is inconsistency. He was never really he never really hit the heights that he could do sometimes. And we saw even within a match, like it, w- it wouldn't be one good match, one bad match. It would be within a match. He would be inconsistent, and it, you can't rely upon that. Um, he was strong in certain areas, but not strong enough. And I, I do think I agree. He should have gone a while ago, but uh, I don't even know if Olympiacos will want him because they obviously had a difficult end to last season and. I think they sent most of their first players packing to, to on holiday before the end of the season because the owner was wasn't happy with it, what what, they, what he saw. So Morales doesn't have a future ever for me. It's be it's time for him to go. He's been he's been here long enough, and um, I think it's time to go for him. Yeah. Kind of one player in, in Morales who seemingly had a, a bad attitude to a, another player in Umani Asu, you know, seemingly had a, a really really good attitude. Um, has he got a future at the club under Marco Silva? Obviously, Silva's um, managed him in the past. Hull uh, um, City um, seemed to get quite a quite a bit out of him. Is who Mark, Well, first of all, is he is it is he whatever whatever need? And do you think he'll have a, a part to play next season? Uh, I think in terms of whatever need, then I probably say no. But I think a lot around the ass depends on our recruitment in terms of who we bring in. I think. It, it's very easy to get rid of people like Nias. I mean, you know, I think for all the, the jokes going around about Nias last season, he ended up on six or seven goals, which it's not, it's not a bad return for a, a bit par forward. I mean, you know, you, you're looking at it now, we've got Zenk Tosin, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and then Umar Nias. You know, my opinion is, is that he always needs at least three forwards. So unless we look at bringing in another forward in, then I think Nias has got a future because I don't think you can afford to, to, to lose to lose a, a, a forward um, especially when you could get your the odd goal now and then you know he's not he's not great he's not the answer he's not what we need if you're going to kick on but I think in terms of being in and around the squad he, he, he's, he's exactly what we need in terms of right now this minute um, I'd like to hope that the recruitment side of things and you know I know we signed St. Tossin back in January but I'd like to think that he's have another forward on the radar in addition to Tossin going into next season so I think if that happens I think that's up to having a future at the club because I think they would happily stick with Tossing Calvert Lewin and then whoever the, the new face could be. Rob, then the f- third and final player on that list, uh, Adam Ola Luckman, probably the one who you'd say has got a really good future at the club if things go go his way. Um, just just want to um, touch upon last season and and you know the fact that Sam Allardyce um, sent him out on loan. At the time, there was a bit of a bit of an uproar because obviously we we were looking for we were all crying out for that type of winger that type of player pace power um but now that you look back at it and the opportunity that he's been given in, in germany is that was that a, a good decision or could we really have done with adam adam ola luckman at the back end of last season to push us on possibly for a, a europa league place uh, yeah i think so i think the lad had you know qualities you know you look at games where he came on and changed you know against liverpool when he came on 
in the second half, he changed it round for us where, uh, you know, I think he set up um, or helped create Sigurdsson's equaliser. Um, there was other games where he came on and he's always looked lively, he's always looked capable of something, always looked like he can create danger for the opposition. Um, I was disappointed to see him go out on loan. I thought he'd, um, I thought he'd have a part to play, but obviously uh, Allardyce thought otherwise um, and allowed him to go. I think he's done all right in Germany. Um, there was talk, I think, in the, some of the papers where um, the guys at Leipzig wanted to keep him potentially. Uh, I'd be against that. I think Brands is against that. Brands has already kind of suggested, hasn't he, that he is in um, he is in the plans um, for next year. Uh, so. Yeah, I think it'd be good to see him stay, and uh, he he's got a bright future, especially if he does stay with us. Tom, was the was the loan looking back at it now the the ideal scenario for for Luckman? He's he's gone to Germany, a, you know, a, a different country. He's, he's kind of hit the ground running over there. Maybe as well in some of the games that we we didn't see, he's maybe made a few mistakes that he's got out of his system. Looking back now, in retrospect, do you think obviously only time's going to tell in the new season whether he he obviously plays and kicks on, but do you think it, it was the right decision? And at the end of the day, it was a, you know, a Sam Allardyce decision to, yeah. to let him go. It was a shame to let him go, in my opinion. I thought Allardyce was a bit rash in terms of he wants to get rid of players, but he didn't think about that one too much. He just wanted to get him off, get players away, so he just he just let that one go. But I don't think he put even a thought into the decision. And I think it's a shame in terms of Luckman's future now because I think there's reports of him being unsettled now and he wants to kick on with his future and go elsewhere, maybe um, take a step up, which is a shame because um, he, he wanted to go to Leipzig instead of Derby County, which uh, Sam Allardyce was quite open about. So he wants to kick on with his future. But if we are going to if we are gonna kick on ourselves, we've got to be keeping those future stars type players. And he is one of them. And I think it's a shame that we let him out on loan in the first place because that's changed his mentality. He obviously wants to be in the European scene now. He's competing last year in Europe quite quite well at times and I think it was a shame that we let him go because it's, it's changed everything for the future and hopefully he will stay and um, Silver will convince him that he'll be in his plans but it's it's going it could go either way now Connor is an interesting debate in terms of obviously he's got talent he's uh, he's he's fresh he's raw he's uh, he's young um, in your opinion is he ready for first team football with Everton going into the new season yeah absolutely I think he is I think it was one of the biggest travesties last season the fact that he was, he was allowed to leave the club on loan in January I couldn't quite believe it to be honest with you. I remember I was actually at Goodison I think we played Leicester City um, in the big game and the notification come through about like 20 past 7 I was actually in the ground and I just remember like the, me and the guys next to me just couldn't believe it like because obviously he come on in that derby as Rob said and the massive impact and he, he got the ball and he drove forward and he thought you know he's got everything that we need for a team that's, cry, that's, that's so slow and so kind of one paced you know this, this kid could be the answer you know and then obviously all of a sudden he was, you know, shoehorned out to Germany and he obviously excelled there, put himself a bit in the shop window, if, if we're being honest. Um, but yeah, I think he's ready for first-team football. I, I think I, I'd rather see him at Walcott on either either flank next season. I think he offers far more than what Balassi does. I think he's more of an out-and-out winger than Sigurdsson, Tom Davis, everywhere last season. Um, yeah, I'd play him. I mean, he's raw and, you know, he'll make mistakes and he, he might look a bit vulnerable, but, you know, he can only learn at the end of the day and, you know, I, I think that his pace, just his pace alone, you know, we see we've seen it time and time again. You know, pace frightens people. You know, if you've got the ability to go past someone and, and leave them for dead, you know, we seen it when Theo Walker first comes to the club, when he was ghosting past players because and everyone was, you know, 
on the edge of the seat because we hadn't seen it all season. You know, we, we used to kind of one-dimensional wingers. So, yeah, I, I, I think he is ready to play for the team football. I, I'd like to see him at Walcott as the two Wyverns starting next season. I really was. Moving on then, and speaking of, speaking of next season, um, fixtures uh, re- released in the, the past couple of weeks. Um, first, there's no easy game in the Premier League for sure, but first five games are considerably easier than the first five games than we had last season. Wolves away, Southampton at home, Bournemouth away, Huddersfield at home, West Ham at home, and then the sixth following on, the tough, t- the first tough one, Arsenal away on the 22nd of September. Rob, what did you think when you first saw those fixtures? Were you have a smile, smile on your face there? or It was always going to be better than last year, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> definitely. Uh, it's, a, it's a much... I would, like you said there there's no easy game in the Premier League but on paper it's a much easier start than it was last year um, looking at them I think they are all winnable games but we probably won't win them all I think we've got to give the new manager time to bed in his, um, his new tactics and style etc etc um, but I probably would be disappointed with anything less than 10 points out of them first 5 games um, especially the home games certainly we hit the winnable uh, we have got a tough start against Wolves newly promoted team spending a fair bit of money I think that's that's the real test there but uh, but yeah definitely 10 points out of the first five would uh, I'd be happy with that yeah Tom Wolves away certainly at a, a game that you would probably have picked if you were if you had the choice but when you when you sit back and look at it like Rob said there it's, it's not going to be easy they're going to be uh, full of confidence at the end of the day they got promoted uh, from the championship last season um, and they're going to have a a boy and crap behind them. The Wolves were very strong in the championship last year, and obviously they've got uh, the super agent Jorge Mendes behind them as well, who's going to probably bring in quite a few. They've already signed uh, Rui Patricio, the Portugal goalkeeper, and they've got uh, a few on the box already, Ruben Neves, and probably going to snap up some of the uh, sporting players who are leaving at the moment as well. So they will be a strong team next year. But you've got to look at those first five fixtures and lick your lips and think we could we could carry some momentum out with them. We could shoot near the top of the table and that could set the manager up perfectly. You don't want to put too much pressure on him, but they're perfect to get to the top and have a little platform to work off. And it's, it's a great great opportunity, but we've just got to make sure we'll take, we'll take that. Connor, Marco Silva is renowned for having fast starts with whatever teams you know that he manages. Is he also a lucky manager in terms of the first five games that he's, he's got there? Is that, is that what we needed, a bit of luck? Robert yeah. Koeman certainly didn't have any look at the, the start of last season with the games that he had there's certainly a lot less daunting than what, what they were this time last summer when we were all sat there looking at especially the away games last last summer you, you kind of you know I know we ended up getting a spirited 1-1 draw at Manchester City but he looks at like the other away games we have after that it was like um, Chelsea Man United <laughs> you just kind of looking at it thinking well when's know, it going to end when, when, <laughs> when are we going to put our, even a point away you know before the season when are we going to end a point away from home Um yeah, that's the certainty. I know it's daunting, and I, I agree with Rob. I think ten points. You know, I think it, the fixtures enable us to get off to a good steady start and, and put points on the board. I think last year, you know, one of the reasons why the, the panic came was because we didn't have no, we didn't have as much points on the board. We you know we were we weren't just struggling playing wise. We were struggling to get points. You know, you, we've seen it in the past where you can not play well but still pick up points. We were doing neither, so that that's where the panic sets in. And yeah, I think you know, I think. Enables to get should enable us to get off to a good steady start and and you know get, get into the the, the, the the groove almost of, of things to come. Right. Well, we'll uh, we'll finish off then um, just with a bit of a World Cup segment. Um, seems as it is the World Cup and uh, 
as we were just recording here now, Germany have uh, Germany have gone out the World Cup thanks to uh, South South Korea. Um, Rob, and tell us this one standout player from the World Cup you'd like Everton to uh, to bid for and be in an Everton shirt at the start of ne- next season. We've actually been linked with him, um, Evan Lozano, the guy who's uh, playing down the wing for Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched Mexico games and he's uh, he's he's been electric down the down the flanks. Um, he'd certainly be a better option than Yannick Balassi. Um but whether we can get him or not is a different matter. Um, you know, I heard Barcelona were also interested in him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't compete with them. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely that Lozano and Loftus Cheek as well. Um, we wanted two. You know, I'm not sure again whether we could get him on a permanent transfer or just be alone from Chelsea. But you know, he impressed with Palace last year, and he's impressing for England again. And he'd be, he'd look good in our midfield, I think. Tom, do you agree with any of that, or do you disagree with any of that? Completely agree. Those were my two as well. Those were my two players. Um, I've been looking at. Having uh, Lozano, I think we were linked with him because he was a PSV with Marcel Brands, who bought him there in the first place. So I thought we had an, a bit of an advantage there. But I was hoping that I'd be tied up before the World Cup because, you know, if he had a strong World Cup, all it took was one game, one 90 minute game. Suddenly Barcelona were being thrown around in there. And um, Loftus Sheik's the other one. I think Chelsea would be willing to send them out on loan. So I think that would be great. I'd be cl- bit of class to our midfield I think he'd be great for us but we've got to look at some of the England players as well I think Danny Rose at left back and uh, Marcus Rashford up front has been mentioned as well so um, could be some closer to home but any of those I'd be, I'd be over the moon with Obviously realistic players uh, kind of like uh, Tom and Robbie just, just mentioned there what, what do you think what do you think yourself Yeah I, I actually agree with Tom not necessarily based on the World Cup but Marcus Rashford hmm. I think he, he'd be perfect for someone like us I think we know we need a forward who, who, who got a bit of pace and get him behind it looks as though he's grown frustrated at Manchester United with his lack of game time and that he kind of doesn't really get a look in under Mourinho and it, it doesn't look as though it's going to change anytime soon so I, I think you know he's, he's a realistic a realistic target I think you know we saw who we could potentially get even alone maybe for the season um, but in terms of the World Cup I, I, I don't really get too too fussed on the World Cup players because you know, we've seen it before where players have big World Cups and then get great big money moves and, you know, fail to deliver it in some respects. I mean, you know, James Rodriguez, the Colombian, you know, international was outstanding in Brazil, the World Cup in Brazil and got a big move to Real Madrid and, you know, flattered to deceive and then has now ended up on loan to Bayern Munich. And so it doesn't necessarily, just because you have a good World Cup, doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you get, it's going to come into, to the, you know, they're going to become natural natural great so I, I don't really get too bogged down but I think if, if I had to pick one player from from the World Cup to be happy, I'd be looking at Rashford Alright it's okay um, just quickly then before before we finish um, mentioned it at the start of the podcast but uh, VAR good or bad Rob um, are you a fan? I don't like it uh, it's it's too it kills games for me you know you, you, you decisions you know it, they need to be made in like an instant and to keep the game flowing and you know there's been a few instances within the World Cup so far where it's completely like stopped the game and whatnot I just don't really like it I mean it does get decisions right most of the time I think it does need tweaking a little bit but yeah not a fan Tommy saw VAR at the um, in the FA Cup last season which bordered on farcical it's been at this World Cup um, maybe slightly a bit more well a, a little bit better but 
is that a little bit better or any improvements is that, is, is that for you do you want to see it in the Premier League next season it's been very common in the World Cup and as, to be honest I think it's a shame that we have to rely on the technology because I do think if the referee and the assistant referee could keep up with play then we wouldn't need it so because even, even VAR as well that's contentious itself because there can be decisions made by the video analyst referee that are contentious still they could watch it again and still get it wrong so I think if they can keep up with play it would be much quicker to just just go with the ref- what the referee thinks so I think it, it has been a bit messy so unless they can properly sort it out then not for me now Connor, is it is it important to get to get the decision right, or do you think just you know just natural and just let the referee get the decision wrong? I, I actually I'm going to disagree with the two of them because I actually quite like it, mate. I yeah. think it's I think it's still in its infancy, and I think there's still going to be ways in which you know how it works and how it's shaped and how it's going to you know go forward. But I think you look at like today the Germany game there, you know. Unless we used VAR, then you know you wouldn't have noticed that Tony Cruz played the ball to the South Korean lad. Now, say for instance that he would have rightly either disallowed it off the referee in the linesman's original point and Jerry Rope do that in the score and we're go through to the World Cup, to the next round of the World Cup, then you'd be feeling a huge injustice to Mexico or Sweden, whoever was going to be eliminated because technically, you know, South Korea were denied a good goal. So I, I think I think it's it's served well so far. I think there's been a lot of good a lot of good decisions from it. I think the way it's implemented and the way it's kind of used leaves still leaves a lot to be answered. But I think that now now football there's too much money relying on it. There's too it's too big of a sport that simply they can't afford to get decisions wrong. And I think it's it's naturally going to become a part of the game in years to come because you know a, a referee. I mean, I take Tom's point about keeping up with play. But I can imagine it's very hard because you know if the ball's at one end and it breaks quickly, you know, th- some of the some of the players can run as fast as as athletes, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it is hard to keep up, and I think you know every little every little helps towards the effort eh, towards towards giving right decisions. Okay, so we'll just finish off quickly, Tom. Um, Germany are out of the World Cup, um, which kind of leaves the the whole competition wide open. Um, your predictions on who's going to win the World Cup? Do England have a chance? They do. They, they do actually have a chance. That's the thing. We we always uh, kind of sign them off, but they actually have a chance this year. Um, for me, it's been Brazil since the start. Though I think Brazil have the quality in the team, and they, I don't think they're going to slip up like they did last time with with uh, the semi final last time. I think they've got a strong enough side with a strong enough bench this time to just dominate it when when they really get going. Obviously, they're playing tomorrow and they have a chance of going out. But I do think they're the strongest side, and if it does go on that, then it, it's going to be them. Rob, will it be nice to have a, a World Cup winner in the Everton squad in Jordan Pickford, or can you not see it? Uh, definitely, and I do think they've got a chance. I think, you know, Germany have got out today. Um, I'm sure there'll be uh, some other um, casualties further along the way as well. I think it's a young squad. Southgate's got them playing. It's the most likeable England team in a long time. Um, yeah, we've definitely got a chance. Connor, Germany are out. France and Argentina play each other in the second rounds with a number of other big teams struggling. Who's going to win it? Uh, well, I agree with Tom. My pick before the tournament was Brazil. Um, but I actually think England have got a very good good chance this time round. I've been, I've been actually impressed with England all the way through. I think they, they've actually, you know, I know people like the weekend said, oh, you know, it was Panama and they, won, you know, they, they should be beating them 6-6-1 six, six, or whatever. Yeah. But you look at some of the other big nations like Spain, you know, Portugal, they've struggled to get past teams like Iran, you know, teams you, you, would, have, you would have thought that they, you know, they, the cricket score them, it'll be five or six. So 
the fact England are scoring goals and, and, and are playing well and, and I actually think that the best thing about this England team is, is that you know probably far from Harry Kane there's no real big superstars there's no real sort of like uh, you know household names you know, everyone just seems to be like the working art as a group together and no, no egos there's no egos and you know they're all in it for the same thing and you know I think for as long as they keep Harry Kane fit they've got a great chance I mean you know he's an actual finisher he scores goals you know he comes alive in the, 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 the box and you know I think they've got as good as chance as any any of the nations there left left in it Okay, guys, well, I think we'll leave it there for this episode. The, the World Cup is uh, certainly wetting the appetite for uh, the Premier League kickoff in August. Um, but I think we'd all like some fresh blood in, uh, over, the, over the coming weeks and certainly months to, to give us another boost. Thanks very much for listening to this special edition fan podcast show. We'll be back featuring more views and opinions from fellow Blues on the View from the Gladys Street podcast in the near future. Until then, goodbye. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.